It's so great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, I need to tell you about a growing scam that can really shred your wallet. I'm going to tell you ways to protect yourself from phony opportunities in the marketplace. And coming up yet later, I have really learned, it's one of those things that just kind of crystallized in me, how difficult it is to figure out for people who travel just a few times a year, how to put it all together. And so I want to tell you strategies for you to do so, and that's coming up for you yet later. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. And I got to talk to you about something that has been a source of calls into our show for at least a couple of decades now. And it's people who see those television ads for reverse mortgages and call me looking for it as an answer to cash flow in their lives. Reverse mortgage in its simplest form and explanation is where when you have a home that you're living in, you are house rich but cash poor. You own the house free and clear, and the house is a cost, not a source of funds. So with a reverse mortgage in its classic form, instead of you with a mortgage sending a check to the mortgage company every month, the mortgage company sends money to you every month. So it's one of those things that sounds really promising where you're able to stay in the home that you want to live in and at the same time free up more money to live on every month if you just don't have enough cash for comfort in your life. And so I give the same routine as an answer every time. I go through with somebody what sources of funds they have and go through a kind of like a checklist to see if there really is a crisis financially in their lives. And then I'll step on to talk about how reverse mortgages have giant fees and all the problems that come with them just generally. Well, this is just stunning, but there was a story in USA Today And USA Today usually doesn't do deep dive investigations, but they did in this case about how there are so many crooked people in the banking and mortgage business who do reverse mortgages as a way to steal people's homes. And there's one after another after another story that they cite about people having their homes foreclosed on around them who set up a reverse mortgage. And there's a chart here showing how the number of foreclosures has been climbing around the United States in the years that they checked. And USA Today, after writing their first story following their investigative reporting, got deluged with complaints from people all over the country how these 
shady lenders and banks stole their homes from them. And this is a terrible, terrible problem. And here's the fact. The reverse mortgage market has been a dirty market forever. And you have to be so very, very, very careful. I know the ads that appear with the uh, older actors who are people who have very high likability ratings who do these ads talking about, gent- you know, very gently how great these reverse mortgages are and the cash that it brings back in your life and how easy it is and all that. Let me tell you, there are a lot of snakes in the grass. And yes, there are situations where a reverse mortgage can make sense. But any legitimate reverse mortgage lender will have you go through independent third-party financial counseling and an evaluation to see whether a reverse mortgage is right and sound. And you want to make sure you have a family member who is uh, potentially good with financial documents or even have a lawyer review the documents before agreeing to sign up for a reverse mortgage because of the thievery that is so heavily part of that market. I just wonder what kind of bankers, what kind of mortgage lenders, what kind of human beings would be excited to steal people's homes from them. Shame on you, shame on them. Shame on you meaning individuals I'm speaking to who do that as sociopaths. Those are people who know the difference between right and wrong and do not care. Brian's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Brian. Hey, Clark, how are you doing? Great, thank you, Brian. So uh, (laughs) you have a lead foot. Well, um, it, it, well, uh, not to, uh, not to uh, put my wife down or anything, but it was actually my wife that was driving. Oh, okay. So how fast does she like to drive? It really wasn't that bad. Um, of course, um, we were in Switzerland, so it was kilometers, and it was only nine kilometers an hour over the speed limit. Wait a minute. The Swiss tracked down your wife? Over being nine kilometers over, which is five miles over the speed limit? Uh, that's correct. Uh, what kind of speed zone was it? How many kilometers an hour was it posted as? 50. 50, so 32 miles an hour. So she was going 37 and a 32, essentially, in terms we would understand. Yeah, and they and have a how safety much margin the Swiss of three want? kilometers. Sorry? They have a safety margin of three kilometers an hour before they actually issue a, a citation. Well, it's a pretty orderly country, but how much do the Swiss want uh, in Swiss francs, naturally, for this violation of going 37 and a 32? 120. 120 Swiss francs? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. And uh, Swiss francs worth quite a lot. I mean, it's worth basically at par with the U.S. dollar. Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. And uh, so they give us the option of two different forms of payment, which I, um, 
I'm not comfortable with either, actually. Um, they want uh, a bank credit transfer, so they want our bank account information or a credit card. They says they will not accept a check. Wonderful. Okay, so I have some experience with this in Europe. Um, uh, I've, I've had problems in a number of countries in Europe with parking, speeding, going into unauthorized zones. I've had them all. So um, this is, gosh, it's weird to say, it's really your wife's choice if she wants to pay this. If she does want to pay it, she needs to pay probably by credit card would be the best of the two options you've been offered. But what okay. are the odds she's going to be driving in Switzerland again? Well, uh, probably not likely anytime soon. But the, uh, Also, the other thing is, though, the rental car agreement was in my name with spousal privileges. So other than the photo that they say they have for the violation, um, they don't know it was her driving. So is the bill coming from the rental car company or from Swiss authorities? Swiss authorities, but in my name only. They don't have my wife's name on it at all. Okay, so you're being billed for a ticket that's not even yours, essentially. Um, other than, I guess, maybe I was obligated due to the agreement with the rental car. Well, but that's not, the Swiss government's not a party to that agreement. True, So yeah. you can handle this whatever way you want. Um, depending on circumstance, I have paid European violations, others I've not paid. And there's never been consequence either way. So okay. it, it's a matter of you handling it, what feels right to you and to her. Okay. And there, there is a possibility you may get, uh, you know, other communication from the Swiss and you may decide at that point you want to pay them, but I'm leaving this to your judgment. As far as well, an they- ethical thing, I mean, if you told me she was going... 30 mi- the equivalent of 30 miles over the limit, then I'd say, hey, she got a ticket she deserves to pay, but pretty chintzy five miles over the speed limit. No, I would agree. They, they have sent us this same um, letter two times. Um, so I don't know if they'll go beyond that or not. Well, at some point, you'll make the decision you want to make about it. Sure. So I can't tell you... Definitely pay this or definitely ignore it. I understand. Okay. So what do you think All you'll right. do? Oh, I'm not sure at this point. Um, I, I, I don't like the idea of a few miles an hour over being charged $120, basically. Uh, I think that's pretty pretty steep for uh, for the speed that, was, that, we were, that she was going or we were going, and uh, I'm not sure at so, this point, but... I did get a ticket in Canada once for going 15 over the limit, and I paid it. I sent the money in because I knew I'd gone way over the limit, and I, you know, I, it's my fault. I paid it. But again, this is all a matter of degrees. Five miles over, if it were me, I mean, you got to make your own call. No way I'd pay that. But again, I said, I want you to make the decision. <laughs> Doug is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Doug. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So, Doug, should I have told him to just pay the ticket, or what would you do? Ooh, that's a tough call. I'd probably uh, go with with what your gut was 
and uh, if you're not going to be back there very soon, maybe uh, hold off on paying it. Okay. Well, we'll see whatever Brian decides to do. So, Doug, sure. how can I serve you? Well, my wife and I have two kids. They're in their early 20s, and uh, we started them uh, early with USAA, USAA accounts, and my son had a USAA credit card. Now he's graduated college at his first job, and he asked me advice on what he should do or maybe how many credit cards he should have or what he should do for a new one. And I, uh, being a good Clark listener, I, uh, he's not a Sam's or Costco shopper, and he doesn't fly a lot that needs an airline miles card, so I recommended the City Double uh, Cash. And he applied for it. It was a kind of a cumbersome application, and he had to wait about a week and got a fairly low credit limit, but then he told me about the Apple card. And a quick, easy application, I guess, and he got an $8,000 credit limit in about two seconds. So he thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, as long as he doesn't adult, charge up $8,000 that he can't pay the bill. No on. kidding, yeah. no kidding. And our daughter, she held off on having a credit card. So she's a junior in college and just applied for her first card. And she did the Apple card and is approved in about five seconds. Of course, she has a job uh, working um, as a server at a a local restaurant. And they gave her a $1,000 limit. And they both love the feature of uh, some of the features. But my big question is, is this a real credit card? Does it report? Oh to yeah, this is this a real. This Just, a real. It's okay. a Visa card, if I remember, not Mastercard. And okay, so the the Apple card, as long as they pay with the Apple Watch or the phone, mm-hmm. um, you know, through Apple Pay, they're getting two percent cash back on the card. If you have sure, to present the actual yeah. card, you only get one percent cash back. It's half of what you get. With, oh, it's MasterCard. I'm sorry, I got it backwards. Mm-hmm. It's only okay. half of what you get with the city double cash or the Fidelity Investments. When, um, but it does build their credit, and that's, that's a true. big uh, thing. So. so I think okay, that's good. great, but just get them in the habit of paying with Apple Pay so they get the 2%. You bet. Well, what they like is uh, having it in their phone. Like my daughter drove to the mall the other day, uh, gets to the store to buy her new jeans, and has left her wallet at home. And so she had her phone with her, of course, and was able to pay for the jeans and go home without an issue. So they love that. And get the 2% cash back, too. Exactly. I think they like the security of it as well. I had them list their pluses and minuses, and my daughter has no minuses to it. My son, he loves the, he's an engineer, and he loves the way it displays what he's bought every month, but it doesn't export, he says, to his Quicken or Mint or things like that. So that's his only uh, negative for the card so far. Well, the people I know have the Apple card have been very happy with it, and I'm glad it's working out for them. It's just the 1% is not worth it, but if they jump through the right hoops and get the 2%, it's a deal. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is a special warning for you. It is something that I am seeing both in physical newspapers, but more often online. And it's ads for supposedly very high interest rates on CDs. But they're not really CDs. And the rates by historical numbers are not really high. The rates tend to be 
somewhere like four and a half to five and a half percent, which is great compared to what CDs are paying right now. But the problem, they're not real CDs. They're not FDIC insured. Your money is at risk. They are a version of promissory notes. And so many people over the years have been burned big time by promissory notes. All that means is I could say, hey, send money to Clark. I promise you I'm going to pay you 4%. Well, I promise. And then if I don't, you have essentially no recourse and your money's gone. Some of the people offering these deals are out-and-out crooks. Others just fly by nights. In either case, you can end up losing all your money. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is we post deals all through the day and night. One trend we've seen is that my past has definitely become a clear part of my present and future. And that is that both online and here on the show, I'm asked an increasing number of travel questions. And if you're not aware of my deep past, long, long ago, I was an owner of a travel agency chain. And that was something that I went into when I was 25 years old. And I sold out my chain of agencies when I was 31. And I essentially retired the first time. I moved to the beach and didn't really intend to work again. And I'd set a circumstances, I'm here with you, speaking with you right now. But travel has been through a lot since I sold my agencies in 1987. I know that sounds like prehistoric times. Think about if you're 32 years old, I retired before you were born. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Anyway, so today, travel is much, much more common and popular in all its forms than it was back when I was in the industry. And today, we can do so much of it ourselves for ourselves. But most of us travel rather infrequently and get bogged down in the details. So... Going back to my roots, we now have at Clark.com a step-by-step -step guide to booking travel, what we call the Clark Howard way. And I go through in this guide, it's been compiled with my crew at Clark.com, how to waterfront planning a trip and then how to deal with the different components. Some people want to fly to where they're going. Others want to drive. So we've got it broken down for you by parts. How's the best way to find the best deal in the air if you're flying? My steps to saving money on a hotel. How I go about booking a rental car and how I recommend you do it if you're going to have one. This is a section I had to have help on, how to use the bus to get around or rail. 
then how to select a cruise, and then overall how I travel. Now, my key rule is, except if it's for work and I have to go to a specific place at a specific time, which I do a lot of, everything is driven by the deal. This is literally true, that I buy a deal and then figure out why we want to go to wherever that deal is going. It's just what I do. And by doing that, I've been able to see all the world's continents except Antarctica. And actually, I haven't had a big desire to go to Antarctica. And I don't even know how many dozens of countries I've been to. I keep meaning to sit down and count because there's this thing for people who've traveled like mega. Have they been to more than 100 countries? I don't know if that's just an ego thing. I've been to 106 countries. I haven't even figured it out. But I've been to a lot of places. And I've only been able to do that because I always buy the deal. So there's no pattern and my travel so haphazard because it is just wherever the deal is. And so getting those deals is core and key. You know, I think about uh, long ago, I used to do a travel show on radio. And there would be a variety of people that would call me. In the fall, there would be people who called me who were just looking to buy travel to go see family for the holidays and travel meant nothing to them it was just how they got to see their relatives and there'd be other people who were hyper planners and they wanted to go to a particular place for their vacation at a certain time on a specific day and stay so many days those people were hard to save money for but the people who just have the wanderlust and love to travel Oh, man, there are so many deals. And you follow those patterns of how the bargains just appear out of nowhere and have the guts to just say, you know what? I never thought about going to fill in the blank wherever, but that deal is so good, I just got to buy it. That's the Clark Howard way. Melissa's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Melissa. How you doing? Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. Melissa, you got a question for me about real estate. Well, I do. Um, one of those Facebook ads I came across, and it appeared to be like a collective of property investors. And, it, you know, they advertise as having investment opportunities, and you can get in on this, you know, like a, for a minimum of $500, and then, you know, they have different levels where, you know, you you contribute or invest um, more money, then you get a choice of more properties um, to choose, you know, for your portfolio, I guess. And, you know, they claim levels of dividends um, from anywhere like from 8% to a little over 12%. And I was just kind of wondering, you know, what your advice is on that and, and, and what's your thoughts on it. All right. This is um, this organization is just one of many that are really hot in the marketplace right now. And a lot of people are doing what's referred to in investing as chasing yield. That mm-hmm. savings accounts and CDs pay very, very low rates. 
a lot of people are um, nervous about investing in the stock market, and real estate feels comfortable. So right. there are these private organizations that are doing uh, basically private or semi-private or semi-public offerings where you go into their pool of real estate investments, but you're in when you're in. They're not easily bought and sold. You have to pay money to go in, and they control how the money is parceled out from the properties. And so this has been an area with that led to a lot of scandals uh-huh. um, last decade. And it's one that requires real caution. Any money that you really have to have that you would lose sleep over if you didn't have that money is money that should never be put into one of these private real estate placement organizations. Gotcha. So do you have play money, like Vegas kind of money, that you'd <laughs> like to roll the dice with? Um, not not particularly. I, I try to be a little bit tight <laughs> with my money. Okay, um, then let me give you an alternative. Okay. If real estate is part of what you're into, you can go into something called a REIT, a Real Estate Investment Trust Index. Uh-huh. which would own lots and lots of pieces, you know, lots of different real estate ventures, little pieces of them. And the okay. great thing, if you go in through a, a REIT index fund or what's known as a REIT index exchange traded fund, is you can yeah. buy in any day and sell out as much or as little of what you have every day. So your money is fully available to you. And these are available commission-free from the low-cost companies. And so you avoid the kind of fees you have with these private organizations. And your money is available to you as you need it. See, and I didn't even know that existed. And they're not coming to look for you. You know, if you go to Vanguard or Fidelity, uh, which are both players in this, or Schwab, and you look at their... Read index offerings. Read the the prospectus. You know, and they're explained in pretty good English how the things work, and you can see an alternative. I want to give you one other that's not as low cost as those, but is a very respected real estate investment group. It's called okay. Cohen and Steers Realty. And spell the steers. S uh, S T E E R S, I think. Cohen, C O H E N, and steers. And so either with Vanguard or Fidelity or Schwab or with something like Cohen and Steers, any of them are very liquid, meaning the money's available to you as you need it. And they are they have to disclose everything because they're public holdings. And I prefer all of that versus going into something narrow and private where you don't know when or if your money will be available to you. Right. And that was one of, one of my concerns was, you know, you put this money in and then if you needed access to it, you may not be able to get access. Well, generally with these private placements, you won't be able to access your money for a number of years once you put it in. Gotcha. Okay. So I hope that helps. 
It, it did. It helped tremendously. And uh, I appreciate that information. And be very careful very taking any investment opportunity you ever see on social media. Yeah, I, I kind of you know felt that way. You know, there's so much stuff that they put out there and they make it sound so good, but anybody can write a, a blurb about what they do. Exactly. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Chris. And I understand you put your life on the line every day to protect your fellow citizens. What do you What do you do? Are you in the military? I am a, or? a police officer well, in thank, Dayton, Ohio. Thank you for doing that and uh, appreciate you keeping the people of Southern Ohio safe. Thank you. Thank you. How can I be of service to you? Uh, well, first, it's an honor to talk to you. I listen to your podcast regularly, and uh, in your podcast, I will say, is a, is a true win-win because it helps um, in the car put my one- and four-year-old uh, to sleep when they have trouble sleeping. <laughs> so it helps with that, and I get to listen to you. So, so it's a win-win. <laughs> I'm glad that I can bore your young children <laughs> to sleep. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a, a quick question for you. Um, trying to look at you know, my wife and I, we try to stay financially a couple steps ahead and we're looking at planning out, um, 2020 and I'm, I'm currently in a deferred comp 457, uh, that's been maxed out for a couple years. And then, uh, we're in the process of maxing out my wife's 401k, um, just switched over our rainy day savings to, uh, actually, um, an online savings account. Um, and then the next goal for 2020 was to establish our Roth IRAs, um, and I went to your guide and found that, um, unfortunately, which is a good problem to have, my wife makes too much money and we do not qualify for a Roth IRA. Um, so I just wanted to get your advice to see if there were another investment opportunity um, to do minimal uh, work on our end. So I want to put right. the money in account, let it go. We've got a one and four year old. We both work. My wife travels. So I don't want to. I don't have the time right now to to actively manage it. But well, you don't have uh, to actively manage it, but it will require a little more work because you actually can put your money into a Roth with one extra step of work. Okay. Because when you're not income eligible for a Roth, you each can do one anyway, doing something known as a non-deductible IRA that you then pretty much immediately reclassify as a Roth. I mean, it's so easy to do, essentially, once you know how to do it, that it's silly that Congress has this roadblock based on income that punishes you for doing well financially and tries to keep you out of a Roth, but then says, well, if you know how to do it, you can do one anyway. Gotcha. So if you will Google or go to Investopedia, which is a good source, backdoor Roth is the way it's described most often. Okay. Now, do either of you have money in a traditional IRA? Like a 401k? No, an IRA. Oh, no. Okay, good. Because then it becomes a serious uh, set of hoops you have to jump through to do the backdoor Roth. But read about that. That'll give you the ability for each of you to put 6000 up to 6000 more each year into a Roth, which is the best of the retirement plans. And okay, as far as making great. it easy in them, just do the target retirement fund choice. 
Okay. Where for that's the what year, my deferred comp is. Yeah, so that's perfect for the Roth. And do it with one of the low-cost companies. The cheapest to do that with typically is Vanguard. Okay. Now, with that 457, I need to say one thing about the 457. Mm-hmm. 457 plans sometimes have gross, very high fees. And when you do have a spare moment, I want you to dig in and see if you're not being feed to death in that 457. And if you are, and do you have a police union? Yes. I want you to go make a big fuss with them if the 457 is a high-cost plan because that's just not okay because you're putting your life on the line. You should be treated right in that 457 retirement plan. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. It's where you post a question for me, and one of the ways we answer it is producer Joel asking your question. Clark Shirley's got a question, and she says, what's the name of that modem you bought at Costco? The Nighthawk. So how do I remember that? Anyway, the <laughs> Nighthawk is a very popular modem that works with pretty much all the major cable operator systems. And depending on which version of the Nighthawk you buy and where you buy it, it'll be typically 100 to $200. I did buy mine at Costco when it was on sale naturally. And the Nighthawk allows for ultra-high-speed internet compatible with pretty much any major cable system. The cable companies charge a huge ripoff every month in rent if you get your modem from them. Don't get the modem from the cable company. Get it on your own. Buy it. Just make sure it's on the compatibility list of your cable monopoly. All right, and Kurt says, why does Clark wear a watch on each wrist? Well, good question. The one on my right wrist is actually my Garmin fitness tracker. It does tell time, though. And the one on my left is my Samsung smartwatch. And why do I need two? Because I'm fitness-obsessed. And Garmin and Apple, I'm sorry, Samsung and Apple don't do fitness like Garmin. So at least that's my bias. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.